Chapter 58 Alchemy, however, is a chaste prostitute, who has many lovers, but disappoints all and grants her favors to none. She transforms the haughty into fools, the rich into paupers, the philosophers into dolts, and the deceived into loquacious deceivers. Tritanius, Analium Hirsaugensium, Tomi Duo, S. Gallo, 1690-141 Suddenly the room was plunged into darkness and the walls lighted up. I realized that three-quarters of the wall space was a semicircular screen on which pictures were about to be projected. When these appeared, I became aware that a part of the ceiling and of the floor was made of reflecting material, as were some of the objects that had first struck me as cheap because of the tawdry way they sparkled—the sequins, the scales, a shield, some copper vases. We were immersed in a subaqueous world where images were multiplied, fragmented, fused with the shadows of those present. The floor reflected the ceiling, the ceiling the floor, and together they mirrored the figures that appeared on the screen. Along with the music, subtle odors spread through the room, first Indian incense, then others less distinct and sometimes disagreeable. At first the penumbra about us fell into absolute night. Then a grumbling was heard, a churning of lava, and we were in a crater where dark and slimy matter bubbled up in the fitful light of yellow and bluish flames. Oily vapors rose to descend again, condensing as dew or rain and an odor of fetid earth drifted up, a stench of decay. I inhaled sepulchre, tartar, darkness. A poisonous liquid oozed around me, snaking between tongues of dung, humus, coal dust, mud, smoke, lead, scum, naphtha, a black, blacker than black, which now paled to allow two reptiles to appear, one light blue, the other reddish, entwined in an embrace, each biting the other's tail, to form a single circle. It was as if I had drunk too much alcohol. I could no longer see my companions who were lost in the shadows. I could not recognize the forms gliding past me, hazy, fluid outlines. Then I felt my hand grasped. I didn't turn, not wanting to discover that I had deceived myself, because I caught Lorenz's perfume, and only then did I realize how great was my desire for her. It must have been Lorenza. She had come to resume the dialogue of fingernails scraping on my door to finish what she had left unfinished the night before. Sulfur and mercury joined in a wet warmth that made my groin throb, but without urgency. I was expecting the rebus, the androgynous youth, the philosopher's salt, the coronation of the work of the white. I seemed to know everything. All my reading of the past few months was perhaps now resurfacing in my mind, or perhaps Lorenza was transmitting the knowledge to me through the touch of her hand. Her palm was moist with sweat. I surprised myself by murmuring obscure names, names that the philosophers I knew had given to the white. With them, perhaps, I was calling Lorenza to me, or perhaps I was only repeating them to myself in a propitiatory litany. White copper, immaculate lamb, ibethest, alborach, blessed water, purified mercury, orpiment, azoc, baurach, camber, casper, cherry, wax, kea, Camarasan, Electron, Euphrates, Eve, Fada, Pavonius, Foundation of the Art, Precious Stone of Gavinus, Diamond, Zebak, Ziva, Veil, Narcissus, Lily, Hermaphrodite, High, Hypostasis, Hyle, Virgin's Milk, 
unique stone, full moon, mother, living oil, legume, egg, phlegm, point, root, salt of nature, leafy earth, tivas, tinkar, steam, evening star, wind, virago, pharaoh's glass, baby's urine, vulture, placenta, menstruum, fugitive slave, left hand, sperm of metals, spirit, tin, juice, oil of sulfur. In the pitch, now grayish, dark, an outline of rocks and withered trees, a black sun setting, then an almost blinding light, and sparkling figures reflected everywhere, creating a kaleidoscopic effect. Now the smell was liturgical, churchly. My head ached. There was a weight on my brow. I saw a sumptuous hall lined with golden tapestries, perhaps a nuptial banquet, with a princely bridegroom and a bride in white, then an elderly king and queen enthroned, beside them a warrior and another king with dark skin. Before the dark king, a little altar on which a book was set, covered with black velvet, and a lighted candle in an ivory candlestick. Next to the candlestick, a rotating globe and a clock surmounted by a tiny crystal fountain from which a liquid flowed, blood-red. Above the fountain was a skull. From an eye socket slid a white serpent. Lorenza was breathing words into my ear, but I couldn't hear her voice. The serpent moved to the rhythm of slow, sad music. The king and queen now wore black, and before them were six closed coffins. After a few measures of grim-faced tuba, a man in a black hood appeared. At first, in a hieratic performance, as if in slow motion, the king submitted with mournful joy, bowing his meek head. The hooded man raised an axe, and then the rapid slash of a pendulum, the blade multiplied in every reflecting surface, and the heads that rolled were a thousand. After this the images succeeded one another, but I had difficulty following the story. I believe that all the characters in turn, including the Dark King, were decapitated and laid in the coffins. The whole room was transformed into the shore of a sea or a lake, and we saw six vessels land, and the beers were carried aboard them. Then the vessels departed across the water, faded into the night. All this took place while the incense curled, almost palpable in dense fumes, and for a moment I feared I was among the condemned. Around me many murmured, The wedding, the wedding. Lorenza was gone. I turned to look for her among the shadows. The room was now a crypt or sumptuous tomb, its vault illuminated by a carbuncle of extraordinary size. In every corner women appeared in virginal dress. They gathered around a cauldron two stories high, in a framework with a stone base and a portico like an oven. From twin towers emerged two alembics emptying into an egg-shaped bowl. A third, central tower, ended in a fountain. Inside the base of the framework the bodies of the decapitated were visible. One of the virginal women carried a box and drew from it a round object, which she placed in a niche of the central tower, and immediately the fountain at the top began to spurt. I had time to recognize the object. It was the head of the Moorish king, which now burned like a log, making the water of the fountain boil, fumes, puffs of steam, gurgling. Lorenza this time put her hand on the back of my neck, caressing it, as I had seen her caress Jacopo in the car. The woman brought a golden sphere, turned on a tap in the oven, and caused a thick red liquid to flow into the sphere. Then the sphere was opened, and in place of the red liquid it contained an egg, large, beautiful, white as snow. The woman took the egg out and set it on the ground in a pile of yellow sand. The egg opened, and a bird came out, still unformed and bloody. But watered with the blood of the decapitated, it grew before our eyes, became handsome and radiant. 
They decapitated the bird and reduced it to ashes on a little altar. Some kneaded the ash into a paste, poured the thin paste into two molds, and set them in the oven to bake, blowing on the fire with some pipes. In the end the molds were opened, and two pretty figures appeared, pale, almost transparent, a youth and a maiden, no more than four spans high, soft and fleshy as living creatures, but with eyes still glassy, mineral. They were set on two cushions, and an old man poured drops of blood into their mouths. Other women arrived with golden trumpets decorated with green garlands. They handed a trumpet to the old man, who put it to the lips of the two creatures, still suspended in their vegetable lethargy, their sweet animal sleep, and he began to insufflate soul into their bodies. The room filled with light, the light dimmed to a half-light, then to a darkness broken by orange flashes. There was an immense dawn while the trumpet sounded, loud and ringing, and all was a dazzle of ruby. At that point I again lost Lorenza, and realized I would never find her. Everything turned to flaming red, which slowly dulled to indigo and violet, and the screen went blank. The pain in my forehead became intolerable. Mysterio Magnum, Allier said calmly at my side. The rebirth of the new man through death and passion. A good performance, I must say, even if the taste for allegory perhaps marred the precision of the phases. What you saw was only a performance, but it spoke of a thing, and our host claims to have produced this thing. Come, let us go and see the miracle achieved.